Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Let's hold on to what we feel right now. I'm going to ask you to turn to your Bibles, if you have them, to Acts 2.38. We ought to be able to quote that by heart. (laughs) I know it's a very familiar passage of Scripture, but I believe that the Lord the next few minutes, is going to speak to us. Just be transparent for just a moment while you're finding that. I certainly don't call myself anything. I'm the least among so many great people. But when I was asked to speak, I'd already started these notes. And then Brother Boyd started his series that following Wednesday night on our foundational doctrine and what we believe. And so I know, I'm, I know I'm in the will of God. So now we just need anointing to let this word go forth and touch us. You're going to hear a lot of stuff you've already heard, but I believe God is trying to seal some stuff. I believe he's trying to seal some stuff in our hearts and our minds. Acts 2 and 38, we're going to read to verse 47. The Bible says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. and You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. Fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. In verse 46, And they, continuing daily, with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Would you just lift your voice right now and would you pray for the anointing of God to come into this place? Lord, we love you. God, we stand in awe of you. We stand in awe of your word. We stand in awe of your power and your presence. I'm asking you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that you would come into this place right now. God, quicken our hearts and our spirits to receive your word. Help us to hold fast to the things that we know and help us to continue in your word, God. And we'll be careful to praise you for it every day in Jesus' name. If you're going to help me preach, would you clap your hands to the Lord and thank him once again. We love you, Jesus. You may be seated in Jesus' name. 
We are living in a world that is changing rapidly before our eyes. Things that were unheard of just a short time ago are, are just now commonplace in our, in our society. Technology has increased drastically over the last few years and has even surpassed our own imaginations. Ideas have evolved and, and people that call themselves progressives and progressive thinkers have changed and are attempting to further change even the face of our government. So it's safe to say that we are living in a time that has rapidly changed and is ever changing before our eyes. But I'll just cut to the chase this morning. There is one thing that has never changed, and that's the Word. See, the truth of God's Word has never changed. It's never evolved. It's never faltered. It's never faded. It has remained steadfast, and it has remained unmoved. That's what the church is standing on today, the Word. That's why the church is still standing today, the Word. And that's what will allow the church to continue to stand as long as he tarries. It's his Word. That's what we're founded on, and it's what will keep us, the Word and the truth of that Word. Times may change, but truth remains. Times and ideals and idolatry and, and things of that nature may come about, and ideologies may change because of them. Man's principles may evolve to meet the ever-changing landscape around him, but God's word does not somehow get changed to fit in the world around it. The world was framed by his word. It has to fit inside of it. When he said, let there be light, it simply was, and it never has failed to dawn new days. The sun still rises, and it still sets. Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That truth still stands today, no matter what other people may say. You still must repent of your sins. You still must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins. And then you don't have to receive the Holy Ghost. You get to receive the Holy Ghost. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. See, it's not an option. It's a command. The Lord said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. The society around us may change, but he said, for I am the Lord and I change not. Everything he has said was, it is, and it will remain the truth for eternity. His principles haven't changed. His purpose has not changed. His ordinances have not changed. And his mandate to us has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And hear me, his church should not and cannot be any different. What will set the church apart and what will make the church God, the church that God has intended it to be and what will position us to be what he has called us to be will simply be what we read in Acts 2.38 and down is to continue. It's just to continue what he started. We must be committed not careless. We must be steadfast and not sleepy. We must be red hot and not lukewarm. Amidst all the change, the church must simply remain. Continue. Continue. A simple verb, but one that has made all the difference. It was the main characteristic that made the first century church great. You see, it was the posture that they took that created an atmosphere for God to move. 
Let's look at Acts 1. We just sang about it. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up. After that, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. If we drop down to verse 8 in the same chapter, he said, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost part of the earth. And then this is what they did in verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. They just continued and the Holy Ghost fell. They just continued and he fulfilled his promise to them because they continued. And they did become witnesses in Acts 2, verse 6 through 40. And we won't read that for sake of time. But it was because they continued. Acts 2 and 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And look at what they did. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. You see, it's that continuing. And in verse 46, they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. And then look what God did. He added. He added because they continued I don't mean to insult your intelligence today, but the word continue means to maintain without interruption a condition, course, or action. To remain in existence. To endure. You see, the early church was committed to the cause. They, they took it seriously when he said, Go ye into all nations. They were committed to prayer. They were committed to the word. And they were committed to holiness. They did not change anything. Let me say that again. They did not change anything. They adapted methods and they adapted things to, to go along with the changing times, but they did, not, they, did not, they did not change the doctrine. They just continued the gospel that was founded on Jesus Christ and the apostles. And God added. Even though there was opposition to the message, God added. Even though there was resistance to the name, God added. Changing the message didn't do it. Bringing down standards didn't do it. Mirroring what the rest of the church world or the rest of the world was doing didn't do it. It was the present help and the power of the Holy Ghost in their midst and in their lives. It was a result of obedience and submission to His will and to His way. You see, it was carried out in their walk. It was spoken out in their talk. It was displayed outwardly. And it was like fire shut up in their bones. That was what made the first century church great. Now let's put it where we are. 
that same thing should be what makes the 21st century great. That's what should be said about us today. If there were ever a time that the church needed to rise up and be the church, it's right now. If there were ever a time that the people of God needed to be more intent and intense in their belief and their convictions, that time is right now. You see, the world needs some constants. The world needs some people that are not staggering and are not wavering in what they believe. They might not verbally express that to you. They might not come up to you and tell you this. But the world needs men and women who are not afraid to speak the truth in love. If you and I are going to be these people, we must return to our first works. And we must do the first, our first love. We cannot, we cannot afford to drift. And we cannot afford to falter. We must be like the early church. And we must do what the early church did. I'm not saying that we don't. But I do believe that God is speaking in this hour. More intense than he has ever spoken. To just hold on. To just continue to just continue what they started. What did they do? Well, I'll tell you. They preached. They prayed. They taught. And they gave. They prophesied. They propagated the gospel. They obeyed Jesus' command. They baptized and they made disciples. They preached and the Holy Ghost fell. They prayed and foundations were shaken. They prayed and angels appeared. They taught and people were converted. They gave of themselves literally and physically, freely, their time, their talent, and their lives. And for all this, they suffered. They suffered persecution. They were beaten. They were imprisoned. And they were killed all the day long. But they continued anyway. See, we can't change the message. We can't change the intensity or the tenacity in which we seek to deliver that message. We must be like them. Our pursuits and our passions must match that of the pursuit and the passions of them. You see, generations of men and women, they have been committed to the cross of Christ. They have been committed to this message and we have to be the same. In his 1912 presidential campaign speech, Woodrow Wilson, the governor of New York, or I'm sorry, New Jersey, frankly, describes his principles for the revolutionary reform of America. Wilson seeks no less than to sever America from the Declaration of Independence and Constitution. I was floored when I read this. Wilson's speech distills a distinguished career of progressive scholarship that would replace the old constitution of individual rights and the separation of powers with an evolving quote-unquote living constitution of growing and virtually unlimited powers. After all, Wilson remarks, Americans have never been stand-patters who resist change. And progress is the word that charms their ears and stirs their hearts. 
Wilson would therefore, quote, like to make the young gentlemen of the rising generation as unlike their fathers as possible. His speech outlines the political education for these young men, saying they must reject their father's ways and the founding father's ideas, thereby leading to a renewed America. Wilson, like other early progressives, was clear in his contempt for the conservatism of the Constitution. Now, my goal here today is not to stir some political debate. It is not. In fact, my point is not political in the least bit. My point is solely based on the decision or the, the, the statements that I read that are contained in this, in this section of the speech. I heard this on the radio. I had to look it up, and that's what I found. So it's not political. It's solely based on this statement and this ideology. We would be fooling ourselves today if we did not understand that that kind of thinking could work its way into the church world. In fact, it already has. It's happening naturally in our world today, and it's happening spiritually right now as we speak. There are some that would like to change fundamental doctrine. There are some that would like to water down the message and create a more palatable gospel, one that doesn't rub as hard one that doesn't go against the grain of our society. Some have adopted a more evolving gospel that changes with the whims of men and rides along the roller coaster of society. But hear me today. We can't afford to do that. The lost can't afford for us to do that. And nor does anybody have the right to do that. There are some absolutes in the word and the real gospel has not nor will it ever change because of someone's opinion. With society attempting to change definitions and rearrange things that God has already set in place, the church of the living God must continue to preach teach, pray, and live out the Word of God every day. The church they must rely on some old landmarks. Men of old were moved on by the Holy Ghost. And this Word was established. And for us to make it and for us to point the direction for others to make it, we're going to have to familiarize ourselves with these landmarks and with these boundaries as to not tread on them or to move them in any way, whether that's intentionally or inadvertently. Deuteronomy says, Thou shalt not remove thy neighbor's landmark which they of old time have set in thine inheritance. Cursed be he that removeth his neighbor's landmark. He didn't say accidentally. He didn't say purposefully. He just said he that removes them. See, so much emphasis was placed on these landmarks. 
because they, they were there for a reason. They marked the way to the cities of refuge. Somebody say that's the church. Somebody say that's salvation. The way of salvation was set, and it was not to be tampered with, and it was not to be moved. The way was to be clear without obstruction. These boundaries have already been set, but I am not the one who set them. He did. So I don't have the right to move them. The only right I have is to make sure they are in place in my life and for my family. Jeremiah said, Thus saith the Lord in verse 6, in chapter 6 and 16, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways and see, and ask, ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not hearken therein. What a troubling response to know that God has set some things in motion for our own good and for our own protection. And then to have a cavalier, unapologetic attitude has to respond in this way to say we won't ask for them because we're not going to walk in them. He said to stand in the way and look at what's going on and ask for the old paths. If you study that word ask, it's very, very close to prayer. He said, ask for the old word and for the old past. Some may say they're old. And some may say they're outdated. Some may say they're antiquated and not relevant for our time. People use words like old-fashioned and out of style. But I'm telling you today that living holy before God is not out of style. It is just right. It's just right. I stand firm on two feet today and say, give me that old-time religion because it's good enough for me. Ha-ha. Hallelujah. Show me the old paths. Show me the old way because I know it's safe. I know that's where I'll find my rest for my soul because it's already been tried and it's already been proven to be true. Among all the so-called new age philosophies and all the alternative ways of thinking and living, I'll just kindly say no thank you. I don't want any of that. I got something that's already been proven. I got something that's already been tried in the fire. It's already been proven to be true. I already know it works. Our rest and our confidence will not be found in ourselves or in an institution. Our rest will only be found when it's rooted and grounded in the Word of God. Our lives depend on it. And our children's lives absolutely depend on it. We must search the Scriptures. We must learn of Him. We must have a revelation of who He is, who Jesus is. And then this is, this is the key. we got to get a revelation of what He requires of us to do. And then we've got to just continue in it. The path has been established. Now it must be maintained. 
The path has been set out and marked, and now it must be kept clear. I'm thankful that the path was made clear for me. I'm thankful that I didn't have to try to cut out my own way. I'm thankful for men and women that had already been through it. They had already established it. And each subsequent generation after them kept it clear for me to navigate through and find my own way. Know this today. Your walk with God, it cannot be summed up on the day that you repented of your sins and you were baptized in Jesus' name. That is absolutely imperative. It is absolutely required. But your experience with God on the first day cannot be summed up as your entire life. Your walk with God is a lifetime. It's a lifetime of commitment and a lifetime of living in His Word. The initial experience is very much essential, but it cannot be the sum total. My real walk is not summed up on Sundays and Wednesdays. It's summed up when I wake up on Monday morning and I put on my clothes and I step out the door to go to a job. It's summed up on Thursday afternoon if I figure I want to take my family out to dinner. It's when I walk these streets. It's when I walk in the community. That's what our experience should be. And it must continue. There is a way that must be maintained. And there is a mandate that is upon every life that is under the sound of my voice after you've entered into covenant with him. Everything that we do in the kingdom always, always boils down to this. We have to leave something for the next generation. If the apostles had not done what Jesus instructed them to do, there would be nothing to carry on. It's because men and women believe this truth with everything they had. and They have given everything that they had that has given us the opportunity to be here today. Through years when it wasn't popular, through turmoil and persecution, they just continued on. I'm thankful today for a grandmother who refused to live any other way despite all the compromise, despite all the people that were falling by the wayside. She just refused to live any other way and set her face on the prize in spite of everything. I'm thankful for a God who robed himself in flesh. Jesus Christ, in spite of the pain, in spite of the agony, continuing up the hill and enduring the cross that has purchased our salvation. I owe him and you owe him nothing less than your life and everything that is in it. I owe this marvelous truth and I owe this church nothing else than my very best. I don't have a right to change it. I don't have a right to alter it. And I don't have a right to distort it. The gospel is not to be reworked. It's not to be rehashed. It's not to be questioned or debated. It just is. The only right that I have, I said it before and I'll say it again, is a privilege. And that's to continue in what I've been taught. Jude. Jude. Jude so boldly proclaimed, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend 
for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. There's not two. There's not three. There's only one. There's one Lord. There's one faith. And there's one baptism. One God. There was a reason that he said this. There was a reason that he wrote men had crept in unaware had perverted and twisted the word of God to fit their own agenda. He went on to tell them of the impending judgment and the consequences of these actions. But then he ends the chapter with a charge and an admonition to the saints. Verse 17, but beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles and of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they of old, that they have told you there, should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit, but ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. He said, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And if some have compassion, making a difference in others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. A heavy charge is given, and a monumental task is ahead of us. But don't fret, and don't be dismayed because he ended it like this. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. Can I say it like this? He just said it like this. If you'll keep it, he'll keep you. If you'll stand for it, he'll stand for you. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. It doesn't matter what the world may say. If you keep his commandments, he will keep you. If we will continue, God will bless, he will deliver, he will save, and he will add. Let's clap our hands to the Lord and thank him. Our musicians will come. I'm closing, and I'm going to close fast. I just want to let you know. The early church did not compromise the doctrine. If they had, it would have ceased to be in the church. They may have added to the church. God would not have added to the church. You see, many churches are added to, but it depends on who is doing the adding that makes it the church. Or not. Acts 2, God added such as should be saved. The only way for the church to be the church is to be faithful in the things that God has mandated. And hear me, He will do the rest. The temptation today of compromise is unprecedented. And there are those that are doing so with such great abandon of the word 
neglect of the scripture. But when that happens, it simply ceases to be the church. What I'm about to say, I say with great difference, so please take it in the spirit that I say it in. It won't take catchy themes or a well-thought-out program. It won't be T-shirts, and it won't be social events created to target some specific ethnic group or economic group. All those things I'm not preaching against. I am for them. They're needful, and they're war warranted. But that's not what's going to build the church. The only thing that will build this church, God's church, will be nothing less than an unrelenting, unwavering commitment to prayer, to fasting, and the Word of God. It is time for the church to be the church. It is time for us to take this and what we felt today outside of these walls and be the church. It is time as we stand today, it is time for us to commit and to recommit ourselves to the cause of Christ as never before. We must continue in the apostles' doctrine. And God, God will do the rest. I want you to lift your hands right now. I want you to lift your hands right now. I want you to, I want you to pray and ask God to touch your mind and your heart. And I'll do the same because I'm no better. I love you, Jesus. God, we need your touch. We need your anointing, God. We need your power. 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 One more thing. One more thing. One more thing. We're going to close. I hope this is not out of order. I'm, I'm sure it's not, but I, I've, I've felt to do this for a few days. But if you have your Bible, would you, would you pick it up? This is not just a book. This is not just something that we hold for decoration. This is the Word of God. And He has set this thing forth for us. And I just want us today, I just want you to hold your Bible. Could you just hold it? If you want to lift it high or if you want to hold it to your chest, would you just, would you tell God in your own words right now at this very moment, we commit ourselves and recommit ourselves to this Word. We won't change it, Lord. We don't want to alter it, God. We just want to live with this Word so close. We need this Word, God. We need your Spirit. Come on, somebody lift your voice right now. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your word. We commit ourselves to the word. We commit ourselves to the preaching of your word, God. We thank you for the word. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. 
For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.